95.3 DNH Marshmallow and Anne Marie. It's called Friends. Good morning, friends. How are we doing? Uh, about 14 minutes after 8, it's the DNH Morning Show. Taste Test Thursday, where I bring a guest in. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff. It's a different guest every week. And today, my guest is Susie Casper, park ranger with the National Park Service. Susie, good morning. Good morning. Come Thanks on over here. Stand right in front of that guy. There you go. Hi, how are you? Good. How uh, are you there doing you are. today? Really good. Thanks for coming in. Did you have to Did you have to call out of work? I did not. Did they have to pause the river while you came in? No, no. <laughs> Susie, uh, you, you really your job title is park ranger, yeah? Yes, park ranger. You are actually wearing a badge. I am. This is awesome. You're in uniform and everything. This is great. How 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 long how I'm already I'm already for clemped here. How did you know you wanted to be a park ranger? Um, when I was growing up, I come from Illinois originally, um, Chicago suburbs, and uh, my parents, we traveled all around the country. Station wagon, the whole nine oh, yards, yeah. the whole nine yards. American dream, that. Yep. And um, we traveled around to a lot of different national parks, and I just thought, you know, wow, you know, why wouldn't you want to, why would you want to live in the city when you could live in some place like Grand Teton National Park? Yeah, and then you saw park rangers, like, that was their job. Yep. And I said, that's that's what I want to do. I want to be outside in the outdoors. Um, my one requirement is I have to be near water. Um, so have that here. So how do you, how do you, how do you pursue that career path? Like, what did you, you got to high school in Chicago, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Or near Chicago. Yes. And you got done with high school. And is there a, like a college that you specifically go to for park ranger degrees? What's there's, that? There's not a specific college, but um, the interesting thing about the National Park Service is there are so many different jobs. I mean, you could be anything from a maintenance worker, maintenance mechanic to I work in the division of interpretation. You could be a biologist, a historian, um, a a curator, you could work in administration, you could be a budget analyst. I mean, there's a million different jobs. So there's desk jobs and then there's outdoor jobs. So, and there's everything in between. Um, but my what I studied at Eastern Illinois University was um, park and resource management, and then I and then later on went and got my master's degree in the same thing at Slippery Rock University. Slippery Rock's in PA, right? Yes. Oh, More so Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, oh, it's a big state. She's, oh, she's Melissa's holding her hand up to indicate the shape of the state. That's good. That's actually pretty good. We all have a map of PA right with us. There you <laughs> sort go. of like that. Um, okay, so uh, so t- normal college degree, and then you you said master's degree, huh? Yes. Oh, how, oh, <laughs> was... uh, the getting into the park service is a little bit competitive. So the more education you have, specialized is, is a little better. Yeah. What do you just go? Do they post jobs on Craigslist, or is there like? There's a whole big website called USAJobs.gov, and. Um, any federal job will be listed on that site. So not just, you know, the National Park Service, Forest right. Service, um, you know, if you want to work for the Department of Veterans Affairs, you, you name it, it'll be on there. U- USJobs.gov? USAjobs.gov, yeah. USAjobs.gov, pretty cool. And now, do these require a degree in Some the don't, some don't. It just depends on what you're really looking for. And and so you you had, this is good for you for having a clear sense of what you wanted to do and pursuing it and look at knocking out of the park, here you are. So, okay, so you went for the, 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 the first degree Degree, then you went for the master's degree. But um, when did you wind up on the Delaware River? So I came out here and worked seasonally for the National Park Service, and that's what most folks do for quite a few years. It's a it's very competitive to get into the park service. So you work seasonally, um, and then you apply to where you want to work. A lot of people think you get assigned to wherever. Um, that's not the case. So if there's a job opening, then you apply for it, uh, and then kind of go from there. Now, when I think. You know, national parks, I think, like Grand Tetons, huge, big plots of land, mountains, forests, woods, you know, all that kind of stuff. Maybe a river, maybe a lake. But but the Delaware River, 
there's not a lot. The Park Service there's not a lot of land to manage. It's more the river. Is that right? That's correct. So, some, so the Delaware River, um, the National Park Service has jurisdiction over the 73.4 miles of, of the Delaware from all the way up in Hancock, New York, yep. um, where the East and the West Branch come together to form the main stem. Hancock's not far from here, by the way. Not that it's far. Like an hour, I want to say. Not even yeah. from here. Yeah, yeah I up think you're right. And then yeah, maybe a half the, hour over to the New York side. Probably about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so Hancock all the way down to just above Port Jervis, Port Jervis and that's there's a little town there called Sparrowbush, and that's where our jurisdiction ends. I just realized this. Is, I'm going to sound so stupid right now, but I sound stupid most mornings. But it's okay. We call it the Upper Delaware River mm-hmm. where we are. That's because it starts here. Exactly. And it, and the Delaware River does flow for 371 miles all the way down, of course, into the Atlantic Ocean. Wait a um, second. Yeah, so, so but your jurisdiction river. is only 70-some-odd miles. 73.4. So what happens after 73.4? So Who takes over? There is a little little stretch where there's not any federal jurisdiction, and then the Delaware Water Gap National Recreation Area picks up just um, right about Milford. Yep. And I think they have around 30, uh, roughly around 30 miles of river. Um, yeah, from there. And then they own about the difference between us and Delaware Water Gap. A lot of people think we're maybe the same park or they get us confused, but they actually own the land surrounding the river. So they have something, oh, around over 75,000 acres of oh. land. The Appalachian Trail goes through there. So a lot of people are familiar with that. Got well. it. So for, for the National Park Service, for this stretch of river, it's really the water part. You got pretty it. Pretty much. Yeah. Now, um, uh, the, 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 there's there's kind of an anniversary this year of, a, of an act being passed. Yeah, so the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act of 1968, it's our 50th anniversary, and that's why the Upper Delaware was designated as a scenic and recreational river. And there's, I think, um, over something like 3.6 million um, miles of designated waters across the country. Whoa. Don't quote me on it. I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, pretty sure that's close. You're on tape. Yeah. No. So hang on. What's the name of the act again? The the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act. The Wild and Scenic mm-hmm. Rivers Act. Well, that sounds fun. I mean, it just sounds like what's the what was the purpose of the act? To raise awareness? To protect? So to help, um, obviously, protect our, our nation's waterways. And, and the, what's very special about the Delaware River specifically is, is that we are the longest free-flowing river east of the Mississippi. Really? So there's no dams, no structures on, right. on the entire length of the of the Delaware. And that actually um, is really, really important in our country because we have a lot of migratory fish species that would not be able to come up the river um, if there was a dam on the Delaware. How about that? Did not know. Okay, what about we'll talk the, more about that later. Okay, all right, fine, fine. Yeah, and uh, okay, I, I I know about eels too. Yep, American eels. We're gonna talk about that later too, or sure, we can okay. talk about eels. All right, what about eagles? Yes, we have lots of bald eagles. So, why why are eagles so attracted to the Delaware River? Do they just did they did they follow up on the Act of nineteen sixty eight too? I think they were reading it and they said, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, our the the water quality in the Upper Delaware uh, is is pretty pristine, mm. um, excellent water quality. And um, if you live in the New York City area, this is where you get your drinking water yeah, from. Yeah, watershed. Something about, I think it's like 17 million people get their drinking water from the Delaware River every day. So, yeah, pretty clean water. And, and that's uh, it's kind of one of the requirements for bald eagles is they need to have uh, fresh, clean water. Because they're looking for fresh, clean fish? fish? Yeah, so they, they predominantly on the Delaware River here, they their diet is fish. However, yeah. they do eat all kinds of other small mammals, other birds, different things like that. And we have about 22 nesting pairs just on our stretch of river alone right now. Um, 
and most people know that bald eagles were, you know, on the endangered species list. Luckily, they have their numbers have come back so doing much okay? since, since the banning of DDT, uh-huh. and um, their their population has come back so much so, um, especially on the Delaware. That when I first started working here, roughly 2005 or so, there was only about like eight or nine nesting pairs, and now we're up to 22. 22. So they and then now there's nests all over the place. I mean, you you just drive down, you know, the street in Honesdale, and you see bald eagles flying around. You really there. do. If you keep your head up, you yeah. can. There's you a can... nest on Lake Wall and Pack now. I mean, they're really all over. And they're doing really well. Um, so let's see. Uh, I want to. How do I say this? Eagle etiquette. Um, okay. Obviously, it is absolutely forbidden to hunt, trap, or whatever. Yes. Um, what about um, like you know? You put a bird feeder out for the chickadees or whatever. Can do people put bird feeders out for eagles? Is that even a thing? No, because they would they would eat. You know, they obviously are eating small mammals. Yeah. And, okay, and, but and fish and things like that. I so could no, put a pile not- of fish on my porch though. <laughs> <laughs> No, nope, I, I have not heard heard people doing that, but okay. um, it's probably not not legal in okay. some framework right. of the mind. Fine, fine. So we le- don't want to feed any type of wildlife, no matter. Leave the no eagles alone. Yes, basically, definitely okay. keep your distance from any wildlife, yep. whether it be bears, eagles. Give them their space because they are very uh, they're very territorial and they can be uh, particularly sensitive this time of the year because they are um, on their nests. Oh, um, so we certainly don't want them to leave the area and or abandon their young. So, do you know of any like are there any cameras set up on any of the nests at all? Unfortunately, not in the Upper Delaware, but there are a lot of um, uh, uh, bald eagle webcams yeah. all over the country. So if you just Google up bald eagle webcam, probably about twenty different ones will show up. Okay, and it's really really cool, um, especially this time of the year to see um, how they you know the for anything from building their nests to incubating the eggs and raising their young, it's really really cool. So let's talk about because so so one of the best ways to see the eagles is from the river, from you know on being on the river or being in next the, to it in the summertime. The best spot if you want to view eagles is to literally take a, fl- a float trip down the river. Good. Um, in the wintertime, it's a little different because um, we, we, we do have a large migratory population of bald eagles that come down from way far north in Canada, and they actually spend the wintertime here. So uh, the numbers are up where some around 200 bald eagles. So in the wintertime, we see sometimes they kind of gaggle around in, in particular locations, um, uh, you know, on the river. But this time of the year, you know, especially in the summer months, float down the river, and I can almost guarantee you, you'll at least see a handful of eagles. So this is kind of, I was kind of trying to steer us in this direction, and I'm glad this is the direction we're going, because floating on the river, tons of fun. It is a total uh, tradition, institution around here. I mean, it's not summer until you've sat your butt in an inner tube and floated down the river. But doing so safely is something that kind of we want to spend a little bit of time talking about this morning. And uh, my guest is Susie Casper. She's a park ranger with the National Park Service, uh, working right here on the beautiful Upper Delaware River. Uh, and Susie, you brought with you a, a PFD, a personal flotation device. Did I get that right? Absolutely. Now, these things are not just like fun to wear because they look kind of cool. They are critical to wear because they could save your life. Can you explain that a little bit? Definitely. So the Coast Guard, the U.S. Coast Guard has um, requirements for especially. So we'll, we'll talk specifically about the Delaware River. Every state has a little bit of different regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the Delaware River, it is required that every person, um, if you are going from point A to point B on the river, so whether it's across the river, down the river, up the river, You're whatever. transiting you, in any way. Whatever, you have to have a Coast Guard approved wearable life jacket. Um, a lot of people, we still see it. Sometimes now, um, you know, here and there where the people bring the float, the float uh, cushions, you know, the seat cushions that you sit on, that used to be a carriage requirement, oh, I think back in the 90s is when yeah. it changed. Um, no dice anymore? Those are not, that is not a not approved. approved device. So it has to be a wearable Coast Guard approved life jacket. And when you buy your life jacket, there's a label right on the right on the inside of it that tells you that it is Coast Guard approved. Uh, so so you, you, 
you must legally be wearing it or you so must have ad- it? Adults do not have to wear their life jackets. It's not a requirement. Okay. Um, but it, they do have to be readily accessible. So yep. they can't be in the original packaging. Buried they can't under something. Be, you know, in your cooler. They right. can't be tied down. They have to be accessible. So that way, if you were to fall out of your boat or you were struggling, that somebody could, you know, throw that to you. Get it right or, to you. Or what have you. Um, children Kid. children 12 years of age and younger have to be wearing their life jackets at all times when Period. they are when they're floating on the river. So... Um, so, but, but, um, now, now there's these different categories or classes of, of flotation devices. What's the story here? So there's five different categories, roughly. So, um, we were talking about earlier, the type one is, is kind of a a special, special device, like a float coat. So if you're going to be on the ocean, maybe, you know, on a fishing vessel, that's not something that people are going to be wearing here. That's Um, like if you're, if it's your job to be out on the water. Yeah. So, um, or especially in the, in the winter months. Yeah. So there's a type two. Type three and type five, which are the most common on, um, you know, for here. So type two is that orange horse neck collar that most people oh. are very familiar with. Yeah, 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 yeah. The really super awkward, ugly ones, yeah, right? They're, they're not. They're not exactly as stylish, but they're. But they'll act- save your life. They will. They're probably the best life jacket that you could actually wear on the river because if you do become unconscious for whatever reason, it will actually. It's designed to keep your head above water. Oh, that's that thing that goes behind your head. Yep. That's re- That's the most awkward part of it, honestly. But that you're saying is the part that would really yep. do you the best. Absolutely. Keep if your you, head if up. Say you had a heart attack or something, or you fell out of your boat and you knocked you know you knocked head. your head. It's going to make sure that your head is out of the water. Um, 100%. Okay. And then the other types, the sort of more like a vest? So the type three is the most common one that most everybody wears when they come out in the river. They're the kayaking vests um, or water ski vests is what they look like. Yep. Um, and they're the most kind of least restrictive vests yeah. so you can paddle and, and, and even swim in them. Those ones actually like look kind of cool too. Yeah, oh, there's all kinds of fancy yeah. ones out there. Okay. Um, so what is, what is uh, I, I, it's going to get a little dark here for a second, but like, I don't know. Worst worst case, what is what is the average person who gets into uh, life threatening trouble on the river look like? What, what, what are they What are they doing at the time? Who is that person? You know. So they look like you, Adam. A male between. <laughs> Wait a second. No. A male between the age of roughly eighteen and thirty five. Um, oh, well, is, thank you very much. In our <laughs> top, unfortunately, it's in our top drowning statistics. Ugh. Um. And the activity that they're engaging in most of the time is is swimming. Um, so we do we do unfortunately have people that fall out of their boats or flip their canoes and, and get into trouble that way, not wearing their life jackets. Yep. But um, we have found you know that um, they have actually stopped, gone to swim across the river and have gotten across the river. You know, either going to or coming back and uh, get fatigued, panic. Yep. Um, and that's when it happens because when you the river, a lot of parts don't look very. Um, Threatening. Threatening. Yeah. They look pretty calm, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's very shallow, too. Um, and it can be shallow. You could be just walking in the river and up to your knees one second and then in a 10, 20-foot hole the next. Whoa. Um, and the river currents are very strong, even though they don't look it. So right. it's very, very easy to get fatigued and panic. And then if you don't know what to do, um, that's 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 when, unfortunately, people drown. You kind of freak out. So, okay, so what's... What's the advice then? Let's just say that uh, you know I'm in the river, I'm playing around, I'm like, ah, I don't need no stinking life jacket. And then all of a sudden I find myself in trouble, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I was listening to those guys on the radio talking about this the other day. I should have worn my life jacket. Now I'm really screwed. What, what, what do you do? What- it's, it's, so it's, it's easy to say, you know, calm down. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, you know, you're obviously in a, in a sticky situation at that point. So the best thing to do, you know, try to remain calm and float on your back. A lot of people say, well, you know, they should try to 
you know, swim fast, you know, you know, like, you know, the forward stroke, but that's not the case. You actually want to float on your back um, and you can use your arms to steer yourself to either shore because the river is, does have a good flow. So you're going to eventually get to one bend or the next. Uh, feet and first or head first? Feet, for, feet first okay. and have your feet twini- pointed towards the sky. All right. And um, that way, if you come to, we have huge rocks in the river. I mean, boulders yeah. the size of cars. They're yeah. really big. So you're eventually going to come to something like that and, and you don't always see them. They're kind of hidden underneath the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to make sure that you're... Your feet hit that rock, and you so that way you can kind of bounce your feet off the rock, and then kind of keep steering yourself. If you're going head first, you could potentially <laughs> hit that rock head first, and then you're going to be in an even worse situation. So, to avoid that altogether, please just wear your life jackets, even when you're swimming. It sounds awkward, um, but it's going to save your life. Well, here's the thing too: is the river is not a lake; it's not a pool; it's not a still body of water. This thing no. has a lot of energy constantly moving. Thousands of pounds of, of pressure. Yes. So it, it's like it's, a, it's an animal, practically. I mean, it's not, yeah. but it's it's a real. It's more dangerous. Force. It's a force. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is, and it's unpredictable, and you can't always see what's under the surface. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Well, life jackets. And we've never, and we have never had a person drown on the Upper Delaware that has been wearing a properly fastened, secured life jacket. Well, there you go. So I there you go. That, that, the proof is in and the pudding there. Unfortunately, we've had you know sixty nine drownings since since nineteen eighty. So. Oh, oof, that's uh, that's, a, that's a couple of year, right? Yeah, at yeah. least. So wear your life jacket. Yeah, my guest is Susie Casper from the National Park Service. Susie is a park ranger badge and everything. Uh, Susie, the next part of the interview, I asked the guest to bring a food item in to share with me. Did you bring something? I did. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. We'll see what Susie brought on Taste Test Thursday. Growing up from a little kid through college, I worked with my dad in his hardware store. My dad taught me to develop a successful business. You have to get to know your customers, be caring, and have fun at what you do. I loved working there because of the family atmosphere we shared with the people who walked in. Now, it's years later, and people who have been my patients for many years can say that my office stands alone in the caring and happy atmosphere that we bring. It doesn't matter whether it's a hardware store or a dental office. All people want is to be treated in a nice way. It's been several years since those days, and things have not changed. People still deserve the best, and they get the very best when they come to my dental office. Hi, I'm Dr. David Boldish. Give us a call and see how our friendly office differs from others. Honesdale Family and Implant Dentistry, 1325 North Main Street, Honesdale. Call 570-253-0715. It's been two short months, and we're happy to report the credit reestablishment program at Wayne County Ford has been successful at helping many people from all over the area drive off in new and pre-owned vehicles despite their credit problems. Yes, it's possible at Wayne County Ford. This is Roger Kowalski inviting you to stop in. Whether you're looking for a new or used vehicle, we're working with multiple lenders to assist you with any and all credit scores or problems. Bankruptcy, no problem. Repo, no problem. Charge-offs, no problem. Foreclosures, no problem. Wayne County Ford wants to work with you. We're the experts at getting you approved and helping you reestablish your credit rating at the same time. Credit reestablishment is here and available at Wayne County Ford. Give me, Roger Kowalski, a call at 570-251-4. Wayne County Ford. Route 6 Honesdale, online at waynecountyford.com. Discover Honesdale, Saturday, May 19th. 
beginning at 10 a.m. and brought to you by the Greater Honesdale Partnership and sponsored by Beck, Gogolsky, Pasca and Company, Grim Construction, and Top Notch Distributors. Visit the Old Stone Jail for a free tour. Trek over to the Storebridge Line and hop aboard a speeder, a gas-powered motor car that rides the rails, and ride the train to Hawley and back. Bike from Honesdale to Holly with Northeast Wilderness Experience and return to Honesdale by train. Then take a stroll. There will be a QR walking tour along with 52 ways to discover Honesdale. Dance to DJ Tom, spinning under the pavilion, and enjoy the intergalactic game day at the Cooperage. Top off the day with Canal Town's Moving Movie Festival, followed by a dance party at Basin in Maine. For the complete schedule, go to visit HonesdalePA.com or read the event tabloid at specialsections.wayneindependent.com. Come discover Honesdale, Saturday, May 19th. Need good tires? Cheap shop Coast Tire. Good tires, cheap, guaranteed at CoastTirePA.com. We are back for Taste Test Thursday, part two. My guest this morning is Susie Casper. Susie is a park ranger with the National Park Service with a badge and everything. Susie, you carry a, you carry a gun? Maybe that's kind of a personal question to ask. I do not. Okay, but some park service rangers do, yes. right? Is that true? Yes, our okay. U.S. law enforcement officers do. Okay, but not all park rangers. So just the, the, the presence of a badge does not necessarily indicate the presence of a sidearm. Correct. Okay. You'll, you'll see them <laughs> if they have them. Don't worry. <laughs> um, okay, so we're at the part of the interview where it's time to talk food. Now, uh, as a park ranger, Susie, I expect you do a fair amount of, you've done a fair amount of camping. Yes. And roughing it. Yep. Um, it, uh, is, it, when, when you rough it, do you have like a, a favorite food to cook, on, you know, on, on the campsite or whatever? So when I, when I do, um, we do have a primitive camping area um, on, the, on the Upper Delaware. And um, when I go camping, I you know, bring some backups, hot dogs, whatever. But the, the plan is to always catch fish. Aha. And then cook it over the campfire. Yes. So, so are we making a fire in the studio no, this morning? No, we are not. <laughs> okay. We are not. Um, but if you were to be camping on the Delaware or fishing right now, you um, and you're specifically fishing for this type of fish, you might catch an American shad. And when we were talking earlier about um, being an undammed river, we have a lot of migratory fish species. So American shads, very similar to salmon. So people, some people might not be familiar with the sh- what the shad are. I've heard um, of it. They come up the Delaware from the Atlantic Ocean. They, they swim up the river. They swim up. All the way up. So Out of their like, minds. You're talking about 300 miles. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so they swim all the way up the Delaware, and they the females, um, they're called uh, rows, and they will lay their eggs. And the females lay anywhere from, it's it's crazy, like 100,000 to 600,000 eggs. Oh, yeah. Fish eggs are it's, plentiful. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so unfortunately, I did not bring the fish row with me today. Wait, so people actually eat the like caviar, it is, basically? It is a delicacy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. raw or cooked. And I've eaten it cooked. once. It's not bad. Well, and do they, are they like little pearls? little Teeny tiny, and it has kind of the texture of Almost weird. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But yeah. I did not bring bro uh, today, unfortunately. That's However, okay. what do you got? Um, I made a. Uh, so we did catch a shad. Nice. And the 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 thing about shad is that the the meat is actually very good, but okay. it's a very bony fish. They're in the herring family. I've heard that. So it requires a lot of work if you want to actually cook one. Yeah. So this this shad was brined for several days. Okay. In a secret solution. Okay. And um, the the meat was then taken out, and then I made a dip. Ooh, like ooh, like a ooh. Okay. A shad. What, a shad. What dip. what else? Well, can I? Sour cream and chives, little salt, pepper, and some capers. Okay, that sounds fantastic. So, and I brought a, a very plain carrot. 
Warrior, so your traditional Ritz cracker, so that way it doesn't take away from it's, the, you don't, yeah, the yeah, taste yeah, yeah. It's the, about the, the dip, dip, not the cracker. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn this microphone like this. Crank the gain up on it like that. This is what Max out of here. Hello, hello. Yeah, we're good. Okay. So what do we got? Like a little, okay, just a little glass container. I'm going to get, hang on. I got a picture of this before you dig into it because the little chives, the little, little, little paprika on the top or something. It, yes, it is a little paprika. So nice, little <laughs> little visual presentation there. Ooh, Susie, this is so, beautiful. And the, so the shad was was smoked for oh my goodness, like five, six hours, something like that. And just in case, just in case, I smoked a chicken breast too. So, so you clearly have a smoker in your yes. life somewhere. Yes. Really? Huh? Okay. All right. I'm gonna dig in. I'm excited. Uh, okay. So smoked shad dip. Sure. That's what you call. Okay. Yeah, there's no, there's no fancy name to okay. it. Okay, I'm into it. I'm totally into it. Hang on. Uh huh. Mmm. Mmm. It's good. Oh, there's that. Okay. So it's not fishy. No, but there it's, is, it's not. But there is this taste that comes in. It. A lot of people make have had some, like smoked salmon dips. This taste, I actually like that better. It reminds me of trout too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Different, totally different fish. It's, it's just very, very mild. It, it is very mild. Have a lot of, of overpowering oh, flavor. Oh, it's good. Eat up. No bones either, right? No. So now tell me about. Very hard to pick out those bones. Thank you, Susie. That's like a. Uh, oh. I'm have to tell my boss. I'm gonna have to put in for some overtime. She's listening. How do you get the bones out? Um. Well, so when you actually brine the, the shad, um, with a lot of acid, so um, lemon juice, white wine, yeah. things like vinegar, things like that, it actually dissolves some of those small bones. Oh. Um, so that's kind of the whole process. That's, a, really, that's handy. And, and the Native Americans, um, and, and shad actually was almost over overfished at one time in the early 1800s. It was a very popular fish. Um, but it is. It's very difficult um, to, to process. So you have to um, yeah, quite take, an, take a lot of care. Quite an endeavor. But it, but it still is a pretty popular fish. Um, people love this the, this particular shad that was caught um, was about four and a half pounds. It's a big fish. What do they What do they look like? Um, is this it right here? Yep. So I brought just a little picture. Um, shad are pretty identifiable. They're very obviously very silver color, um, but their uh, tail fin is a very uh, V shaped. Um, has a very V-shaped uh, shape to it, so it's uh, that's what makes them very identifiable. That's unmistakable, that. Yeah, and they're, um, and they're pretty big, too. So you'll... And you say silvery colored. <clears throat> now, uh, how are people catching these? Just with a rod and a reel or a so, fly? Yep. Um, I don't know if anybody catches them necessarily with a, a fly rod. It's probably possible, but they are actually, um, there's there's particular special kinds of uh, lures. They're called shad darts, um, and that's what attracts a shad to, to bite on them. Tell me about the smoker. Like what's you just you, you, what, what does it look like? So what? I used to, we used to have a a charcoal smoker, but they're very difficult to control the temperature. So we now have an electric smoker, and then you pick whatever particular type of um, smoking chips that you like. We yep. use usually use like a hickory. Yep. Um, but there's of course a million different kinds of, of course. Of, that no, like but the so. electric thing that's got to be. It cause... makes it, it you can you know kind of set it and forget it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes well, it a lot easier. Don't, don't forget it. Fire hazard. But yes, definitely. Okay. Sorry, we're talking safety. No, here. no, we we certainly. <laughs> <laughs> when it's going. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you're cooking something for about four or five hours, it's it, it makes it a little bit easier to use the electric. Yeah, you got to keep on top of the we were We were very leery, but we just decided that it was time. It was time. Yeah, I think that's a good investment. So can we try the chicken breast too? Absolutely. Is that okay? Because yes. it looks yes, awesome. Yes, yes, yes. So what do you, you, you just, it's a chicken breast with the skin on, it looks like. Yes. And you just throw it in the you smoker? Wanna, yeah, you want to usually use, you don't want to like use a boneless, skinless chicken breast. You want to do... Um, something with the bones and the skin on it, so it stays a little moist because things can get dry. Yeah, out. and the the skin is just sort of nice fat. It just oh look at that. You eat. 
eat it up. Oh my gosh. You could probably even put the shad dip on the chicken. Oh my gosh. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the chicken as the cracker in the shad. Is that cool? Sure. Can I go there? Well, maybe try it first by itself. Yeah, okay, fine. Good idea. Good idea. Oh, it's lovely. It's still is I'm gonna use the word everybody hates, it's moist. We I just did this yesterday, so it's last night. That's great. Um and it's but it's like the the meat is very very firm. It's almost like it gets transformed a little bit somehow, some way. Okay, that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my uh <clears throat> my idea here. Okay. Wait, hang on. There it is. Okay. So the chicken goes into the shad dip. This sure. is surf and turf. Why not? Susie, I would give that a shot if I were you. That's pretty good. I'll do that. Okay. Wow. Mm. Okay. Things I didn't think I would ever have for breakfast. Shad dip and chicken. And they do have a big shad festival down in Lambertville, New Jersey. They do. There's a, a the Lewis Fishery. They have a huge festival down there. Um, unfortunately, I've never been, but I plan to someday. And people do. Um, they go crazy. They have all kinds of shad related things. So they do eggs and eggs. If you catch my drift, oh. so shad row and scrambled eggs. Hey, and all sure. kinds of crazy things like that. Do so. they have a shad deboning competition at the beginning of the event? You know, event I to- don't know, but that would probably be a really fun activity. <laughs> um, wow, Susie, thank you. This is great. You're welcome. Tell me again the dip. So you take. You take so let's just say if you wanted to do a different fish, could you do a different fish sure, with it? Sure, you could. So you take your your fish, you kind of what flake it up a little bit. Yeah, flake it up. I mean, you could do bigger chunks, but whatever you whatever you prefer, and okay. a little um, sour cream. Um, like I had some uh, just black pepper, paprika, yep. Yep. Um, and then those are actually um, chives from my garden. So nice. Or you could green onions, regular onions, whatever you like. Ramps. Right. And, and it's really the flavoring is really in the fish. Right. You want everyone else, everything else is just there to kind of hoist the fish mm-hmm. up, and you don't want it to get in the way of that. Yep. So well, it's that was... actually yeah, the recipe is very very simple. Simple is good. My guest is Susie Casper, Park Ranger with the National Park Service. I have something to share with Susie. Uh, Susie, have you spent any time in the American South? Um. Yeah. You know, Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, that kind of. Oh. Um. I yes, Tennessee. I spent some time okay. at Great Smoky Mountains National Park oh. when I was in college, a couple weeks. So yeah. So I've, been, I, I've driven through a bunch. I have some friends who come to uh, this trivia night that I host, and they're from uh, I want to say Kentucky somewhere, mm-hmm. and they go back to they, they moved here a few years ago, and they go back to Kentucky every now and then. And when they do, they bring me stuff that's only available for sale in the South. So they brought me this can of soda that they told me is like the best soda they've ever tasted in their life. Interesting. And I've never seen it before in my entire life. I've got it downstairs in the fridge. I'm going to go grab it. We're going to crack it open. You ready? All right. We'll be right back. And you thought there was only one type of French fry. Montana fries. I can't believe when I see them being made. They have cheddar cheese, ranch, and sprinkled with bacon. They're loaded. It's like a loaded baked potato. But that's not all. Our famous disco fries, we've had them forever. That's brown gravy and mozzarella. Kind of a rip-off from the Canadian poutine with its squeaky cheese. Volcano fries are cool. They're uh, with hot sauce and blue cheese and our cheesy devil fries. Hot sauce and cheddar cheese sauce. And of course, we just have the bacon and ranch fries and the cheddar and bacon fries. With a large variety of delicious fry choices, what type of fry does Polly like? Honestly, I, I personally just like my fries plain because they're so good. I don't understand why we are putting all that stuff on them. Polly's for hot dogs, hoagies, wraps, cheesesteaks, burgers, baskets, desserts, and of course, fries. Seems like the more good stuff you can put on a great fry, it's just the ultimate, I guess. I don't know. Polly's on Park Street in Honesdale. Open every night till midnight. I got that Subaru at Johnson's Subaru. 
Hudson Subaru is celebrating their fourth anniversary and is holding Big Sale 2018 with over 300 new certified and used vehicles in stock. We've been building up the inventory for this special event with 0% financing up to 72 months on select models. That's why we call this the Big Sale. Don't let this past winter fool you as you're still going to need the best-selling all-wheel drive car in America for the past 10 years to get you moving through the year. Big Sale 2018 features the all-new Subaru Ascent arriving soon and over 100 certified Subarus giving you a great selection and making us one of the largest Subaru certified dealers in the country. Big Sale 2018 is here, so come celebrate our fourth anniversary with our biggest savings of the year. And for your shopping convenience, we'll be open on Sunday, May 20th only at Johnson Subaru on Dolson Avenue in Middletown. See johnstonsubaru.com for details. You're cordially invited to join policymakers and local business leaders at the Pike County Chamber State of the County Dinner, Thursday, June 7th at 5.30 at Woodlock Pines Resort in Hawley. Hi, this is Derek Bellinger, Pike County Chamber President, and we're eager to discuss the future direction of Pike County in 2018 and beyond. The evening will feature updates on the future of economic development, county initiatives, education, the local real estate market, and tourism. Our guest speakers include Mike Sullivan of the EDA, Commissioner Matt Osterberg, updates from our three county school districts, Alan Hikowski, CEO of the Pike Wayne Association of Realtors, and Ron Schmalzi, Chair of the Hotel Tax Board. Tickets are just $50. We'd be honored if you'd join us. Several levels of sponsorship opportunities are also available. For info, to become a sponsor or to make reservations, contact the Chamber at 570-296-8700 or pikechamber.com. Need good tires? Cheap shop Coast Tire. Good tires, cheap, guaranteed at coasttirepa.com. Lake Region Weather. Mostly cloudy skies for the day. Chance of a shower this morning. Highs in the mid-70s. Clouds tonight. Chance of showers after midnight. Lows in the mid-50s. Friday, clouds and showers, highs in the lower 60s. Then Friday night, showers likely down to the upper 40s overnight Friday. Saturday, showers likely, chance for a thunderstorm, highs in the upper 50s. And Sunday, mostly cloudy, chance of a shower or thunderstorm, highs reaching the low 70s on Sunday. It's 58 now. Makes you feel like dancing. Crank it up. Hey, everybody, listen up. All the best artists. All day long. More music at work. 95.3. DNA. We're back for the last segment of Taste Test Thursday. I have something to share with my guest. My guest is Susie Casper, park ranger with the National Park Service. Hi, Susie. Hi. Thanks for coming in. Um, tomorrow is National Wear Your Life Jacket to Work Day. You got it. Is that a real thing? Are it you just a, trying to fool me? Thing. Google it up. <laughs> there is. You will see just millions and millions of people wearing their life jackets to work. And so it's it's really just to help raise awareness of why import life jackets are so incredibly important to be worn by not just children, but everyone. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to post pictures and everything. Great. I promise. Okay? I promise you, Susie. I will do it. And I'm going to do my best to rope everybody at the building here at Bold Gold into doing it, too. I, don't, I can't guarantee for them, but I will guarantee you that I will be wearing my life jacket to work tomorrow. Tell them to make them some shad deck. Maybe they'll... <laughs> Do you have, them. By the way, do you, can, do, the life jacket you brought is different than the one that I have. You brought, what, a class three? It's a, it's a type three. Type yes. three. Can mm-hmm. I try it on? Absolutely. Bring it over here. Hang on a second. So this is this is the sort of uh, more slick, uh, better fitting uh, flotation. It's not that orange horseshoe. Now, this is it's more like a full vest. Now, this is looking, whoa, this is a kind of a badass life jacket. Is there a knife on here? Oh, my. Okay, hang on a second. 
deal with if you deal with ropes ever on the river. Oh, if you're dealing with ropes on the river. Sure. This this is actually pretty pretty boss. This is a this is a fine flotation device. Susie, can I keep that? No, I'm not. <laughs> so it feels great, nice and snug, great. So properly fitting is is a key phrase here, and that means that it's not so loose that it will fall off or come up over your head. Definitely. So the the, the river is obviously really really powerful. So if you're wearing a loose fitting life jacket or it's not zipped or buttoned or fastened properly, take, take it can it can actually um, get up around your head, and it can make it very very difficult for you to swim if you were if you needed to. So it can, actually, it can be more it can be more constrictive if it's not fastened properly. Work against you a little Absolutely, bit. Absolutely. Yes. So so yes. so fasten properly. Uh, fitted properly uh, and this is the type 3 you're saying right yes so this is much this is like I can I have full range of motion my head is not blocked by the thing even swim in it I can totally swim in this thing and this I've got a little whistle I'm not going to blow the whistle sure go ahead that was fun (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to pull the knife out of the sheath. But you were saying that you weren't near the microphone when you said this. There's a little knife uh, in here, and you sort of said, explain again. If you're, of course, we don't obviously recommend this for children at all. But if you're, if you're on the river and you're, you have ropes with your 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 boat at all, um, it's really important to have a knife with you because if you have a lot of people tend to come and bring a lot of extra things, so a lot of extra rope. And if you were to get tangled in that rope, you want to have a knife readily accessible so you can cut yourself out so that way you don't get entangled in it and get in, get into more trouble. Deep, deeper trouble. A lot so of people, speak. you know, especially that are going camping, have a lot of equipment. They tie things down. Um, so you definitely want to make sure that you're able to get out of a, a situation And the whistle? Quickly. The whistle? The whistle. Um, whistle for anybody, definitely. And of course, we carry them. You know, if somebody's, you know, when the when you're on the water, the water's moving pretty quickly. It's very loud. Yes. So you can't exactly, if you're yelling to somebody across the river, they can't hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but the whistle can at least get somebody's attention in, so in an emergency. Is there- is there a standard specific whistle blast signal, like three blasts, or just blow 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 on the whistle? You know, I, I for for the for a common public, I don't recommend just you know just if you're trying to get somebody's attention, if you're in distress, just keep blowing that whistle so okay. that way, um, you know, you can get somebody's attention, you know, and if you need help. Okay, so just just blow on that whistle because when you're out there you and you're in an emergency, you're not going to remember one, two, no, three, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and of course, waving your arms as you're blowing the whistle, you know, gets people's attention. Yeah. So. Okay. Good. Good. Well. Uh, okay. Susie, we are turning into the final portion of the interview here where I have a food item to share with you. Now, uh, I explained just a minute ago, I have some friends who uh, who moved up here a few years ago, but they go back down to uh, where they where they spend a lot of their lives in Kentucky. And when they do that, they bring me back cool flavored potato chips that, that we don't have here. And they brought back this soda. It's called Ski, S-K-I. And it's in a green green can. And I see citrus fruits on the front of it. Um, and I looked at the, the side where the ingredients are. And, you know, of course, uh, high fructose corn syrup, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, okay, so ingredients in order. Carbonated water, high fructose corn syrup, lemon juice concentrate, orange juice concentrate. So that's actually like interesting real things. And there's caffeine in here, too. So I got to thinking and I was like, well, hang on a second. The other citrus caffeinated soda I know is Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. So I got a, a can of each. Give that a look. And that's uh, Ski is, is manufactured by the Double Cola Company, which I've never heard of. But it's apparently a big deal in the South. Interesting. So I've never heard, heard of it. Uh, Not and, either. And the presence of actual lemon juice and actual orange juice is encouraging to me. That's... Hey, it's, it says low sodium, too. Oh, thank goodness, because oh. I'm trying to watch. Um... Well, that shad dip might push oh, you over Oh, actually, right. So here's what I'm thinking. So I've got a can of Mountain Dew here also. I'd like us to just try the Mountain Dew first as a baseline. Are you are you a soda drinker? Not really, but yeah. I didn't have coffee today, so I'm all well, about good. We're having be good some uh, caffeine. Okay. Okay, so here comes the Mountain Dew. I'm just going to pour it in our little glasses here. Just, ugh, look at that. Look at the, the color. This is so, this is not natural. Look at this. This is like neon green color. I now, could get the sap off of my car with this. <laughs> you absolutely could. 
Now, I like Coca-Cola. I'm not so much Mountain Dew. My guest last week, Corey Southerton, goes through Mountain Dew at, a, at an astronomical rate. It's not bad. It's, I haven't had one in a while. It's, it's quite refreshing. It's okay. Yeah, it's refreshing. Citrus? What do you think? What are you getting for citrus? A little bit? Lime. More lime than lemon. Yep. A good combination. Okay, it's all right. It's Mountain Dew. I'm getting, I'm getting some high you're, fructose corn syrup. You're going, you're going again for the Mountain Dew. I'm Here, just... hit me. <laughs> okay. So it's, you know, it's fizzy. It's sort of, honestly, the color reminds me of um, something that I won't talk about on the radio. It's a healthy color. Yeah, swirl a little bit to see the legs develop. Yeah. <laughs> Wine tasting with Mountain Dew. It'd be great. I have to go back to work now. Okay. All right, so the Mountain Dew is so-so. Let's try the ski. Let's see if it's any better or worse or I'm different. i have to cleanse my Oh, yeah, palate. cleanse your palate a little, little water. I'm going to crack the ski open here. Okay, here it comes. John Brescia, thank you very much for the ski. Appreciate it. It's actually been in my fridge for a little while, and I finally decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wheel it out. Okay. Color? A little deeper yellow. A little deeper yellow. Yeah, a little, little deeper yellow, but similar color. Oh, I smell citrus. I think I do. All right. Ah. More limey, maybe. Like a deeper. I was... Eh. I was hoping to be wowed, but I'm not... I'm not blown away. It's, it's similar, but it's it's got it a more similar. stronger flavor. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I'm. I wonder if I. Hang on. I got an idea. What, what do we got for time here? We got a minute left. Hang on. Finish that real quick. <clears throat> Close your eyes. No peeking. Okay. okay I'm, gonna pour, I'm gonna pour. I'm gonna pour one of these into the glass, and ask you to guess which one it is. Now that you've seen both and tasted both, I'm gonna pour one in and see if you can tell which is which. Put, put your hand out. Okay. All right. I think it's the Mountain Dew. Yeah, I gave you the Mountain Dew. Okay. There. Okay. All right. Okay. So you can at least tell the difference. All right. Good. Okay. That's encouraging. It's it's close though. It's very close. What about caffeine content? Hang on. Here on the side of the can, mm-hmm. on the ingredients somewhere, it should say caffeine content. Oh no, this one. The, the amount. Oh, it does. Okay. I have a caffeine content per sixteen fluid ounces on mine. It's on there somewhere. It's got 45 grams of sugar. (laughs) (laughs) This has... The Mountain Dew has 61. That's per can, though. The cans are different sizes. I don't see it anywhere. Okay, so on the Mountain Dew, it's down there at the bottom. On this one... Oh, come on. I saw it just a minute ago. It is normal for a small amount of sediment to be found. No. Does Here it really is. Here it is. It, uh, it is. Okay. So I found it. It is. Okay. So the ski has 69 milligrams of caffeine per 12 fluid ounces. What's the Mountain Dew say? I lost you already. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. I lost where it was. Says, the Mountain Dew is 72 milligrams per 16. So I don't. I can't remember my molality from chemistry, but um, I think they're they're they're, all, they're similar. 69 is. 72 per 16 and 69 per 12. I think 69 per 12 is a is a higher caffeine content 
than 72 per 16. Feeling it already. Oh, starting to sweat. Sugar rush. All right. <laughs> My guest has been Susie Casper from the National Park Service. Didn't you, when you when you got the call to come on the radio, did you think you'd be doing this? I had a, I had a feeling. You had a feeling? Okay. Um, Susie, what else is going on at the National Park Service uh, uh, coming up this summer? So we have um, we have a few events this summer, and the first thing that we're going to be holding is a volunteer event. Um, so it's a really great way for folks to get out and enjoy um, some of our trails that we have along the Upper Delaware. And so we're going to be holding, it's actually National Trails Day, so it's also the 50th anniversary of the National um, Trail System as well. So we're going to be doing a just a kind of a light cleanup of the Towpath Trail, which is right at the Roebling Bridge um, in Lackawaxen, Pennsylvania. And so we'll be sending out a press release soon. So hopefully you guys can give us a little, um, give folks a little more information on that when that comes out. So they can also visit our website um, uh, or our Facebook page for more information. And of course, they can give us a call at the Zangray Museum um, if they're looking for more information. What so do they look up on Facebook to find you? <clears throat> What's that? What do they look up on Facebook to so find it's, you? It's at Upper Delaware NPS, or you can just look up. If you put in your search engine, Upper Delaware Scenic and Recreational River, um, we will pop right up. Excellent. So that's the first thing we have going on, and that's June 2nd, so it's a Saturday. And then the next thing that's coming up is the Upper Delaware Bio Blitz, and that's on June 30th. And this is really, really cool. Um, if you have not ever heard of a Bio Blitz, you're not quite sure what it is, um, it's open to the public. And um, biologists and researchers from all over the state and, and probably across the country come out and they actually um, will catalog every living thing that they find oh. on this particular pro- property within a 24-hour period. Um, so they find anything from mushrooms, birds, Worms. salamanders. I mean, literally everything that's that's Anything living. that's alive. Very cool. And, and then so it's open to the public um, after they collect everything and there's special programs and everything like that going on. And then, of course, they have a Facebook page as well. Um, and that is Upper Delaware Bio Blitz. So check that out. Cool. And then the biggest thing that we're doing is the Zangray Festival in Lackawaxen. That's Saturday, July 14th. And that's an all-day festival from 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. And there's all kinds of special programs and activities. There'll be a live Birds of Prey show. We have um, horse-drawn wagon rides around Lackawaxen, stuff for the kids, scavenger hunts. Um, the Zangray Museum is, of course, open for touring. Um, great day. So definitely come check and, us uh, out. What day is that again, Ronnie? That is Saturday, July 14th from okay. 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. Cool. And then just the last thing towards the end of the summer to wrap everything up is National Public Lands Day, and it'll be a similar volunteer event um, for those folks that want to get out and um, help keep our public lands clean. And Susie. that's on, I think it's September 27th. So we got a minute or two before the, the, that comes the end up. Of the, at, end, end of September. <laughs> well, let's, uh, I'm, here's hoping that uh, it's a long time before the end of September. I think we're all due for a really nice spring and summer. I hope so. And a safe one at that. Please, Definitely. folks, remember, uh, wear life jackets, uh, wear uh, flotation devices. Kids under the age of 12 who are traveling on the river are required to wear one. Uh, everybody else is required to have one close at hand if you are transiting on the river. Please be safe. Please wear it uh, all the time. We want to end the summer with as many listeners as we started the summer with. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much. Yeah, anytime you're on the water, wear it. Whether you're swimming, boating, fishing, or floating, just have that life jacket. My guest has been Susie Casper, park ranger with the National Park Service. Thanks for coming in, Susie. Thank you. All right. We are just about done here with another episode of the DNH Morning Show and Taste Test Thursday. It's been a great morning. Thank you for tuning in and being part of it. All our listeners out there, we appreciate you so much tuning in, whether you listen live on the air at 95.3, on the Radio Bold app on your smartphone, or at the web stream at 95.3dnh.com. Have a great day, be good to each other, and save me a donut.
cranky, sluggish, not feeling good, or just having a bad day? Your solution is in your mattress, and your savings are right here at Teeter's Furniture in Hawley. During the Memorial Day instant 